Welcome to Student Transitions, A Time to Thrive. Life is full of change and resulting periods of transition. And some of our big transitions begin as students, as we move through the educational process and then on to the world of work or further education, university and independent living. If we can learn as students how to thrive through transitions, we will have acquired skills that will support us through a lifetime of change and transition. So, if you're facing changes in your life as a student, listen on as we share our insights and suggestions to help you thrive in a world where change is the only constant. just before we get into today's podcast, I want to tell you about some additional resources available to you. First, this podcast is available with a full transcript for free. Then, for a small fee, you can access a think sheet for each episode in this 10-episode series. They're designed to help you reflect on the content of each episode. To learn more, go to louisewiles.com forward slash successful dash student dash transitions. Welcome to Successful Student Transitions, A Time to Thrive. This is podcast 10 about how parents can help. This podcast is aimed at you as parents to help you think and process your young person's transition when they leave school. They might be going off to university or college or even getting a job. Of course, this is a big transition for them, but it's also a time of transition for parents and maybe other family members. It could be your first child to leave home or maybe even the last. So in this podcast, we're going to be discussing why our young people are facing different stresses and challenges from the ones you might have faced and what you can do to help them to prepare for success in this next stage of their life. And we're also going to be talking about the changing role and purpose of you as a parent as you move towards that empty nest. We're going to share a framework with you that we hope will manage this change. We'd also like to encourage you to listen to the other podcasts, particularly to podcasts one and two, where we introduced expected patterns of transition and how to make good endings and beginnings. These could be really helpful for you in your changing role. Hope you find this helpful. And the first thing we really wanted to talk about, well, why is it difficult? Why does it seem, why does this transition you know, from school um, to university um, or work, why is it particularly difficult for young people nowadays? Um, and I, I was kind of from a from a kind of psychological perspective about, you know, there's been a there's a whole kind of range of difficulties facing our young people, and none more important than the mental health challenges that they've been have, you know, they've been having, and we know that. Um, about 8% of undergraduates in the UK drop out in their first year. So there's something that's telling us there, this is really difficult for them. It's stressful for them. And it's likely to be one of the biggest challenges that they've made on their own. Um, they could be overwhelmed by, by just the organisation and the time management and maybe academic pressure, managing their lives independently. 
um, moving from somewhere that has been, you know, school has been very kind of focused and controlled and school having a connectedness and belonging. And then when they go to university, that's the kind of when fracture happens and that kind of has broken down, hasn't it, Louise, that this transition from one place to another is tricky. So I, I think yeah, that move to independent living is a really big factor probably for, for many. Um, and I think also recognising that it's a change and with change comes ups and downs, highs and lows. And I think what's really important is having realistic expectations about what's coming up. And I think perhaps what happens is people see university you know, the next stage is, yeah, hopefully going to be really great and positive in the long term, but don't understand that in the short term it can be, there can be times of struggle as well as great times, good times. And the two come hand in hand with change. That is the nature of change and the transition and adjustment periods that then result. So as a parent watching, it can be really tough because one day you'll have your child saying, fantastic, went out and had a brilliant night last night, met some really nice people. And then two days later, you may have them on the phone in tears or sounding really upset because things aren't going so well. Perhaps they're feeling down. Homesick, of course, is a big part of it. And if they've never left home before, then they are going to miss home. They may not want to admit that, but it will be a part of the experience probably. And so there's this kind of mix of you know, huge opportunity and excitement and newness and novelty and then challenge and a bit of sadness about what they've left behind and discomfort um, and disorientation, really, because it's a new environment that they've got to work their way through and work everything out, as, as Elizabeth just said. Absolutely. And it also kind of links in a little bit with some other statistics about going to university in particular, is that, you know, people don't know, young people don't feel comfortable in asking for help or they actually, they don't need, they don't know where to go for help. Mm -hmm. So if they are struggling, you know, listen, go back to the, listen to the podcast about asking for help, because that's a really good one, because if they know that actually asking for help is all right, that's something that might aid in that, in that transition. So, mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons why this is really why it's different. And it's different for our kids as well, because there's an idea of a, a kind of notion called emergent adulthood. Um, and it's around in kind of the post-industrial Western world. So it used to be that you were an adult and that being an adult meant you were married, you had your own house, you maybe had children, you were kind of financially independent, but you know, we have to acknowledge that that's not necessarily happening in today's society here in the UK. Um, you know, um, often after university, people come back, are young, you know, they are the boomerang generation. They come back to live home again. You know, people aren't getting married till much later. They're not having their kids till later in life. They're maybe taking a bit longer to get um, on the property ladder, having their own house. So, do these old markers about what does it mean to be an adult? It's harder then. So does that mean they're not an adult, you know, at a time when we were? So this idea that you're becoming, you know, you're emerging as an adult is really good. And it's something we might come back to at the end about, well, then if they can't do those things, 
what can we do to help them be an adult? And nicely in the literature around this, there are three things we can do. One is help them in decision-making from an early age, not on the cusp of when they're going off and leaving school. Um, Don't rush and do things for them. You know, help them make decisions for themselves. The second one is help them be independent on a whole range of, a whole raft of stuff. There's some nice um, um, work around, I don't like this word chores, but, you know, I would call it contributions, like being helpful around the house, knowing what it's like to be an active participant living with other people. You know, it's your turn to, you know, your job is taking out the rubbish or something. So it's about being independent and giving them small responsibilities is a really good thing. And the third thing is being financially independent. But of course, you know, that's maybe hard when they're at home. It's hard maybe in today's days when kids don't actually see money. You know, they just see plastic that they put on something. But, you know, they're going to have to manage their their kind of finances when they're at work or when they're at uni. So being able to give them some feel about how much things cost and how much they've got to spend and how much a budget is. Um, I mean, I know somebody when their kids went off to university, they gave them some money, but they gave them more than they needed because they wanted to save some money. So it was a it was an it was a good thing for them to learn about how they would save when they were at university. I mean they gave them enough to kind of get by. It wasn't, you know, they weren't on a <clears throat> on a shoestring or anything. So be thinking about decision making, independence and using money wisely is quite a good a good kind of thing. So this likely didn't happen to you when you were kind of you know you would be an adult quite quickly much more quicker than they would so that's another reason why it's really really difficult and another reason it's really difficult is that when you think about likely we're thinking about generation z as people are they're born after the you know 2000s um this generation is really different they're they're They've got their screens. <laughs> They've got all that mobile technology, social media. Um, they're the generation that's never going to get lost because they've got everything on them. They can map and find everything. But there's a huge pressure on to live a life that everybody's going to like. And so back to that social comparison, isn't it, Louise? About, mm. you know, they can't just live their life and, you know, around about, you know, in their local community. They've got these huge groups of people that are kind of, you know, looking at them and what they're doing and they're all wanting to have a good time. So it's another kind of living in that filtered bubble that they are. um, It's harder for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It Um, links to having realistic expectations, I think, because, you know, you see and they see social media and they see everyone having a good time and they think everyone's out partying all the time perhaps they're not every night and they feel some way lacking so it's it's setting expectations that everything you see on social media is not necessarily true or reporting the real reality of the situation which actually rationally they know but when they're in a new situation where they're perhaps feeling a bit fearful and a bit threatened by you know the newness of it all they can forget to apply rationality and rational thinking and it all becomes quite emotional and I suppose that's another thing you might get quite emotional reactions from your 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 teens 
in their new jobs and um yeah and it can feel really heavy as a parent to have to deal with that but it's helpful to just sit and be there there's not much you need to do you just you know, listen give them the space to express how they're feeling and then often they'll end the conversation feeling a lot better and you know i really you know i'm overjoyed when i see on you know secondary schools um curriculum critical thinking skills because that's what we need we need kids that can think about oh everybody's putting that in social media or something like that but i bet you you that's only half of it you know they need to be able to see things as they are not as they appear to be Mm -hmm. um and of course we never had all of that issue that they've got with that and of course you know, this transition of them leaving school and going wherever it might be after that, um, this is not just their transition, it's yours as well. It's likely a family transition. It might be, you know, the first person leaving home and going and doing something else, or it might be your last, or it might be going off in a gap year or that transition into work. So, you know, whether it's the first to leave home or the last, your family's changing and the transition is everybody's. And this is when people start talking about the empty nest, isn't it, Louise? About, um, you know, it's about a feeling I've been through it, right? Um, And come out on the other side of it. But there's often a real feeling of grief or loss, um, um, a shifting sense of maybe your purpose as a parent being that person that was kind of really, you know, an important part of your kid's life. And then suddenly you're taking a step back. Um, So it might be a little bit about missing the person that you were, missing the kind of parent that you were, where that was really a big role in your life. And then it stops and while some parents might want to throw a party to just celebrate, you know, kids have gone. It's that kind of joint emotional difficulty. There's joy in it, but there's sadness in it too. So emptiness aren't yeah. aren't kind of great feeling. You know, they can be great and also kind of tricky at the same time. Yeah, and I think there's a in, in the first two episodes of this podcast, we talked about a mnemonic raft, which we were using as a, a mnemonic to support the students through transitions and I think this is quite a helpful one for parents as well so the R stands for repair or reconcile so as your child leaves and you know as your relationship yes is going to change and move to a different footing there might be some things that together you want to repair perhaps it's you know some arguments you've had disagreements you've had um some reconciliation that you want to to, to, to discuss together but you also might want to just think back yourself about your parenting experience and you know I know when I look back there are things that perhaps I wish I'd done differently and now is a kind of time when you can take some time out to think about that and just and put it to bed really put it to rest and recognize that you know yeah we we all have things we would perhaps like to have done differently at certain times as parents but on the whole I'm quite sure You've been a fantastic parent. You've contributed hugely um, to the positive experience your, your kids have had at home. That's the repair. The A is to affirm to yourself what's good. So, yes, 
thinking about you know what you love about your child, what you're really pleased that they've achieved, that you as a family you know have together um, and will have into the future. So recognizing all of that and recognizing that family continues, it just changes in its kind of structure perhaps and and the the things that you do together as a family, but you still are a family. That's not that's not going away anytime soon. Um, so recognizing that, then farewell. Um, Elizabeth mentioned, you know, about you know being sad and the sense of loss, perhaps at this, the end of this stage in your life. You know, moving on to the next one, especially if you're in, at, at the empty nest phase. And I've read a few articles recently about empty nesters and you know, parents and cry just lying on their their kids' bed in their bedroom crying. Um, and yeah, go and do that. I think it's really important that we embrace that there is a sadness to this, that we are coming to the end of part a, a stage in our lives. Um, and we're moving on to something new as well. And hopefully that's going to be positive too. But yeah, allow yourself a little bit to, to feel sad obviously if that sadness continues um for more than a week or two and you really you know feel down and you can't shake it then perhaps you want to seek some professional support but for most of us we'll move through that and and start to see some of the positives and so the positives is that the final t in raft stands for think in raft which was developed for international mobility so it's about thinking destination where you're moving to next but I think this is really relevant for parents you know what do you want next in this next phase of your life you know you now have some space the laundry pile won't be so big you know you won't have to do quite so much cooking so where do you want to spend your time now what could you do for yourself that you know you haven't had the time to do but now you do what are your interests and your hobbies or what new career direction you want to follow because you have more time to pursue it the new opportunities for you that's really important so start giving that some thought and you'll find that that you know along with the other process the other elements of graph really help you to sort of say, process it all and and think through to what comes next you know i, I it, this was louise's idea to kind of think about raft in relation to parents and I've never heard anybody do that before so I think it's a really useful um, kind of strategy to think about because often young people find this really helpful or schools find this really helpful so hopefully for you as parents will as well and and on that last think destination it's often we're thinking of that without thinking about the other things before isn't it and how important it is for your young person to know that you're going to have a life, <clears throat> you know, a good life without them being there so that, you know, they're not going to be somewhere think, worried about you, that they can see you getting on and doing stuff is really important. Yeah. So yeah. I, I love the really idea of Raph. Yeah. yeah. And I, I had a different framework and it's another framework that I can often use with, with people, with parents in particular. And it's called the 5R framework. And of course, we're going to put these in the think sheet um, in more detail for you and kind of get you to reflect on them. But the first R, and it links into some of the things that Louise has been talking about, but it, it links into that role, your role as a parent's changing um, and due to time, distance and your young person growing up and being more dependent, independent, hopefully, you might not be that first port of call when there's an issue. Um, you'll be developing your role 
as a listener rather than somebody that's going to fix their problems. Um, you know that, you know, there are times when there's maybe a crisis that you will need to go in and help out. But a lot of the time, like Louise was saying, you know, if they're phoning up saying, I've lost my keys or I, somebody's kind of not speaking to me or I wasn't invited out, you know, you've got to be in that role of, um, well, that's that's interesting. Well, that's a bit of a challenge for you. What are you going to do about it? Um, and thinking about the message that that gives them as you're going to be the person that sorts it out, their young person's going to be the person that sorts it out. So you're the listener, the sounding board, rather than the person that fixes things out for them. Because if you did do that, if you say, well, oh, I'll come and find your keys with you, you're not giving them that message of they're resilient, they're going to be able to find stuff out for themselves. Um, so be thinking about how you're kind of shifting in that role. And it's not an easy one, because when we see our kids struggle, we want to help. But we have to know that that struggle and then they're managing through those struggles, as Louise says, and the ups and downs, that's how they're going to build resilience in themselves. The next R is about routines. So, you know, change disrupts any patterns that we've got. So there'll have to be new routines to be established. And I often think about the routines about them maybe going into work or university is like, how often are you going to contact them? You know, sometimes people, I've heard people say, oh, don't talk to them for the first five weeks, let them settle down. Or I have to keep talking to them every day, but find find a balance for yourself. Find something that's going to um, help them cope in with that honeymoon period that we talk about and then get into that. They might be in a little dip. So be thinking about that routine and also be thinking about routines about when they come home from university because they'll likely be very used to being independent, doing what they like, you know, leaving their room as they would. And so it might be a little negotiation around that about how to come back home. It could be challenging you for both of you. Mm -hmm. um, the third R is about reactions. So transitions in and out. We're going to have a lot of reactions. So know your young adults like you might be have conflicting emotions. They might be excited and anxious. They might be happy and sad like you when they go off to wherever they're going. You know, you could have a mixed emotions, but it's about doing that thing about being able to acknowledge the emotion. I know this is hard for you. I maybe even name it. I can see you're anxious. I can see you're worried. You know, I can see that starting a new job is going to bring you some challenges. So that naming the motion is really good. Um, um, and, and, and just kind of being able to sit with it before you get into problem solving. So validate it, acknowledge it, validate it, sit with it before you get into that big kind of sorting out, well, what are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Um, and remember that anxiety is a contagious emotion. So we have these things called mirror neurons um, that automatically pick up and mimic strong emotional signals when we're around other people. So if you're anxious, they'll pick it up too. So Remember that kind of idea that before regulation, before you get regulated, before you understand about how to manage your own emotions, 
you need to be co-regulated by somebody else. So keeping your emotions in check is good. Um, um, and don't interview for pain, as I call it. Were you with anybody today? Did you did you did you have your lunch? Did you eat with somebody dinner? So yeah. they're going to pick that up. So less of that, more about well, what, what what did you learn today? That was always my thing at university. What did you learn this week? What did you learn this week that was really interesting? Um, so uh, watch your reactions. I remember that when they come back, that sideways talking and listening is really good. And of course, your relationships. Going to, the the fourth hour is about relationships. Um, we've talked in the previous podcast about relationships are tricky. They they are a process. They take time. Um, we likely know that's going to be the biggest challenge when they're at university. So be talking to them about that friendship frenzy that often happens at the beginning of university. Be willing to kind of sit with them on the bench when you know finding friends is hard, and be be kind of encourage them to think about how they made friends before and you know know that relationships change your relationships we said is going to change so one aspect is about the communication how well are you listening before you try and sort out issues for them um so remember too that for this for this time in your young person's life the important thing for them is they're, they're doing this word, it's called individuating, like they're, they're individuating. So they're, they're growing up to be an individual themselves. So they're separating from you. So they might want to come back to you and that's all right, as well as you kind of saying you're going to be all right out there on your own. So thinking about how you're helping them be independent. And the fourth, the fifth R, is about reflection. And in other podcasts, we've talked about, remember when you've been in other transitions before, this is not your first transition. You've done things, you've moved to schools, you, you know, um, parents got divorced, you, the dog died, you know, we've been through other kind of changes before. And remember about what helped them. Remember what helped them connect with competence in their lives. Um, and some little bit of joint reflection around that is, you know, would be good about how you did it, recognising how they've done it before. So I kind of like those f five R's and I also like raft. So we hope we've given you sort of two frameworks that you can use. You might have one, a preference of one over the other, but having a framework to support yourself in this time when you're a young person's transitioning. Brilliant. Yeah, I think that's really, really helpful. And I've written down as I was listening to that sort of three little phrases, and it was first one sitting with. So I think you said that. So sitting with, um, not jumping in, um, and giving space for them to express their experience, but without you judging. Um, I think it's really important. And then also letting go. We've all got to let go a little bit. <laughs> Elizabeth's done it. I'm in the process <laughs> and it can feel really tough. It can um, feel tough. Yeah. Yeah. But it's part of parenting. It's part of parenting. At some point we have to give them you know, the freedom to, to move on and to be who they 
you know, the wonderful people they're all going to become. Sometimes I, I reflect when I'm talking to my daughter and I feel like, oh, Louise, you're trying to choreograph stuff. <laughs> like as soon as I hear myself, I go, right, time to take a step back. This is not my role anymore. And probably should never have been anyway. Can, can I say one other thing about that? I kind of like this framework, this child development, this parent development. So we start off being a director. So we're directing everything. When they babies, we have to be in charge, you know, feeding, sleeping, changing nappies, doing everything. We're doing everything. And of course, that brings us, it can make us tired, but it, as a parent, it gives a lot of fulfillment. And then the next kind of phase is you're a supervisor. When you're supervising things, you're kind of taking a step back. Of course, we're taking them to school. They've got to manage things on their own. We're kind of making sure that things are kind of done and organized, but we're not doing it anymore. And the third phase of parents, and hopefully it's one that we get to, is when we're a consultant, when our kid comes to us and says, what do you think about this, mum? You know, if you were going to do this, how would you do it? I've done this. What other what other kind of advice would you so they're the main leader of it they're in charge they're in lead, they're in charge of their life and you're there as the kind of sounding board and of course sometimes things happen and it's not a linear process sometimes we go back we can go back into another stage if there's a bit of a crisis or something happens but on the whole what we want to end up you know, we don't want our kids still in our house when they're 50. You know, we want them to be on living lives. And so sometimes, you know, it's tough love. We have to do those things. So um, this kind of stage when they're leaving home, you're kind of on that phase of going into that consultant role. And it can be a good place to be and a hard place to be at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. brilliant well we hope that that has given you some food for thought as parents and we would probably suggest that yeah go back and listen to the other podcasts because there's probably relevance in those for you as a parent also yeah give you some ideas and resources to use to support your 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 children your teens your young adults as well yeah okay See you next time then. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Bye bye for now. Bye bye. Bye. So thank you so much for listening. Now we hope you have found this session on supporting parents helpful. Here's a quick summary of the main points we discussed discussed. When our young people leave home, it's important to recognise that it's not just a time of change and transition for them, but it also is one for us as parents as well. There becomes a duality to the process, a need to support our young people through their experience of leaving home, but also to support ourselves as we move to the next stage of our lives. So thinking about supporting our young people. Firstly, we talked about how helpful it is to look at the world from their perspective. And we talked about many factors that contribute to the possible stresses they might face as they experience their change and the impact that can have in terms of highs and lows. 
We also talked about the concept of emergent adulthood and why things are different now in terms of moving into adulthood. We outlined three ways of helping children and young people become prepared for leaving home. Firstly, encouraging decision-making. Secondly, independence. And thirdly, financial awareness. It's also important to be prepared for the emotional fallout that can occur and be prepared to support what can sometimes seem pretty irrational behaviour. From your perspective as a parent looking at your own lives, remember this is a change for you and it takes time to adjust to your young people leaving home. We talked through the mnemonic RAFT, which stood for R. R stands for repair and reconciliation. A for affirmation, R, F, sorry, for farewell, recognising the bittersweet nature of this change, where we can feel joy and sadness simultaneously, and T for think destination, what do you want next? Elizabeth then shared her 5R framework, and how thinking about these 5Rs can help us as parents to process what is changing, and how we can influence things positively. So the first ask is for roles. Now, how is your role going to change as a parent? We've made the suggestion that you're perhaps moving to more of a sounding board than a fixer. Tempting though is to fix everything. (laughs) I know that as a parent. The second R for routines. We're changing our routines in, in terms of the connection we will have with our young people. The third R for reactions. She's also recognising the emotional response and the polarity we might be feeling as parents, you know, sad at their leaving, but also proud at their achievements. The fourth R is about relationships. We talked about how young people are at this stage of individuation. They're moving into this separation phase and that's a healthy thing, but it can also feel quite challenging. And the final R is all about reflection, just thinking about what will help you, what will help them, and what you're learning. So we ended by noticing that the parental role changes as our children grow and develop. From as a baby, being the director and young children, to perhaps more of a supervisor as they become older, and then now more a consultant. I think that's a really useful framework to remind us to step back and allow them to do things for themselves, to build capabilities and their own resilience. So, we've come to the end of these first 10 episodes and the first series of the Successful Student Transitions podcast. We're going to be back soon with episode 11 and a new series which is going to be sharing interviews with students who've generously agreed to share their experiences with us and also experts working in the area of student transition and support. So we hope that you will join us for those new episodes But that's all for today. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye for now. And don't forget those handy resources that we discussed at the beginning of the podcast. You can access the full transcript for this episode and also the think sheets for a small fee by going to the website louisewilds.com forward slash successful dash student dash transitions. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye for now.